Hey, thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you, encourages you, and brings you closer to Him. Um, happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. Um, I, I'm so excited about this time of year. It's one of my favorite times of year. Um, and it's good for me, and it's probably good for all of us just to, to kind of reflect on the series that we're doing right now, Christmas Classics, and the busy and the craziness of the world. Uh, it's nice to have staples. It's nice to have something that we can kind of trust. Last week, we looked at the story of Rudolph. And if you were here in the beginning of service, we looked at uh, a couple scenes from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and we kind of transitioned that whole concept into the story of Mary. And Rudolph was just usable, and we realized that Mary, that's what made her so unique, that she was just usable, that God took an ordinary person, a lot like us, and used in extraordinary ways. Today, if you weren't here earlier, we showed a couple scenes from one of my favorite classics. Uh, it's The Grinch That Stole Christmas. How many people love that one? Y'all love that one? There's little creepy parts in it, right? Like I, every once in a while, I kind of turn my head and go like, if I was a kid that was scared of bejeebies out of me, but I, I, I get it. But it, it's a story, and if you don't know where it's from, it actually comes from the Dr. Seuss classic, a poem uh, that was read uh, called The Grinch, and it's about a hairy um, kind of monster man kind of deal that for some strange reason just got bent out of shape when he was a little kid when he gave, I think it was his teacher, a present that was a homemade present. And when he gave it to him, all the kids laughed at him because the way he looked at, uh, the way he looked in the present was probably less than what everybody else would get giving. And it really frustrated him. I can understand it. I can kind of relate. If you just let me get off script for a second, I can kind of relate to the frustrations uh, of how they turned, Whoville turned Christmas into about lights and parties and all that other thing. And I think in our society, we've done kind of the same thing. We've turned Christmas into more about lights and all the gifts and the wrappings and the parties and all that kind of stuff. And so his idea was he was going to steal Christmas. He was going to take all their lights and all their parties and all their candy and everything, and he was going to take it to his garbage uh, pile to the top of the mountain. Uh, we know the story, though. If you've ever watched it, if you've ever read it, we know the story that didn't work that once all the presents were removed and the parties were removed, they still had Christmas. And that made it even more frustrating to them. And it's a thought today, and I was sitting here kind of looking and just kind of contemplating things. Um, what makes Christmas for you? Like, what's it take for you to have a good Christmas? And if, if, if that was taken away, would Christmas still remain? And I think a lot of us do. It's about the parties, it's about the presents under the tree. But today what I'd like to talk about is a present that can't be stolen from us. There's nobody that can steal it. There's nobody that can take it away. There's nobody that can rob us from that if we kind of understand what that greatest present that was ever given was. Before we do that, I wanna pray. Would you bow your heads for a second? Heavenly Father, in this moment, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would be with us. That you would speak to me and through me today, God, but you would speak to us that your Holy Spirit would permeate every nook and cranny of this room, that God, your, your words would be your words and they would bring life. We know that your words lead us to you. We also know that you lead us, the kindness that you demonstrated, lead us to an area of repentance. So if there's areas of our lives that you want to kind of correct today, God, we give you permission to look at those areas. And so it's in the next few moments, God, I pray that you would speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. So, don't answer this, but think about it for a second. What does it take for you to have a great Christmas? Like, is it uh, the, the size of the present? Is it the amount of the present? Is, is it about who gives the present? 
Because I think a lot of times we get wrapped up in the presence. And when I say the presence, the P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S presence. And I think what God would really want us to get wrapped up in is his presence. So many times what happens is we allow circumstances and situations and possessions really kind of stop us from having the greatest Christmas ever. And I remember this, I don't know about you guys, I remember those moments in my life where like a little kid, I was, I, I was anticipating what the, the present was underneath the tree. And I think Christmas time should be that for us as believers, that we should be excited just like, do y'all remember the more like, so in my life, I had a grandmother and uh, I've shared this before. Maybe you didn't hear this uh, one time before, but my grandmother used to bring us, before she passed away, she would bring us the Sears and Roebuck catalog. How many people remember a Sears? Raise your hand real high if you're, so you're probably over the age of 40. You're not 40. So my grandmother would get, bring, she'd bring us the Sears and Roebuck and we could choose anything up to $100. And so my, myself, I would get the, and I don't ask me why, I don't even like them, but it's because of the colors, I guess. The Miami Dolphins varsity football jersey, anybody, or, or football jacket. It had the, like the pleather, had the pleather side, you know, panels and had like this, it was like velvet or felt here. And then we would get the matching hat and the gloves and but my grandmother would always do something really special. She would always throw in a couple extra presents. You remember this? So we knew that the box was, the, was, the, was gonna be the jacket, but there was, that, there was that other present. And you're looking at it and you're going like, what is in that? And she goes, you can open up that present that you want. And the anticipation of what was gonna be in it, and it was always a hundred times better than whatever we picked out from the Sears and Roebuck. It was just because that was grandma and that's the way she did things. She, she wanted to surprise us with something. Well, let me tell you, 2,000 years ago, the greatest Christmas present that's ever been given was given to us. And we should have that same anticipation. Our heart should pound the same way. Our, 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 we should get a lump in our throat the same way every time we think about that greatest Christmas present, which we know is Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen to that. That's worth an amen right there. That that present is so good. But he's given us other gifts. That's the greatest gift. But there's other gifts that we get, that we've received, that, that nobody can steal away. The Grinch can't steal them. Your mother-in-law can't steal them. Somebody say amen to that. Your, 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 your spouse, your kids, they can't steal them. How about this? Think about some of the gifts. I'm, I'm going to just kind of bullet point a couple of gifts that God's given us. Here's one. He's given us abundant life. He's given us life. John 10.10 says the thief comes to destroy or steal and kill, destroy. But I have come that you may have life and you may have life abundantly. I love what it says in John chapter 7, verse 38. Whoever believes in me in the scripture, he says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That means there's good stuff coming out of us. That means there's blessings coming out of us. That means God's still working on us and through us and in us. That's something we should, that's a gift that nobody can steal from us. How about this? How about a life of freedom? I don't know how long ago it was for you, but I remember where I come from. I remember the depths of sin that, that I was involved in. So when I say this next one, there should be a thunderous applause. God has given me the gift of freedom. I am not who I used to be, amen? I am not, listen, and you know something? I'm not what I'm gonna be yet either. There's a day coming that I'm gonna be something perfect that God's gonna go, well done, good and faithful servant. But till that moment, John 8, 20, or John 8, 32, it says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I have freedom. I am no longer a slave. Somebody say that. I'm no longer, I'm not what I used to be. How about this? A light of illumination. You know, there's a lot of dark in the world, isn't there? 
I mean, it doesn't take very long. You can look at Facebook. You can look at, you know, all the social media outlets. You can look at the news. There's a lot of stuff out there that's creepy. Like, you just kind of, my spidey senses just kind of go a little crazy. Yours too? Like, they, they, something comes across and I go, oh, that don't sound right. I love this passage here. It says in John 8, 22, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That means we don't have to worry about the darkness. We don't have to be, listen, we don't have to be ruled by the darkness. We're ruled by the light. So when darkness is overpowering, you know what happens when the light comes on? If you go into a dark room and you flip the light on, what happens? The light comes on, the darkness has to flee. That's a great, that's a powerful passage of scripture. It talks about it in Ephesians 4.11. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather uncover them and expose them. That's what we get to do. That's a promise. That's a gift that God's given us, given us as believers. And then he's filled us with the greatest of all things. I think he's given us the gift of grace. And I'm thankful that I'm not what I should have been. Because at the direction I was going, I should have been something totally different than I am right now. That's why grace is so powerful. Unmerited favor. I don't deserve what I'm getting, but I get it because God's good and God loves me. It says in, in Ephesians chapter two, verse eight, for it's by grace you have been saved through faith and it's not of your own doing, it's a gift of God. Romans chapter six, 23 says, for the wages of sin, thank God I don't have this one. For the wages of sin are, is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So those are all gifts freedom and, and grace. There's all things that God gives us that no one can steal away. The, the Grinch tried to steal their Christmas. I think the devil tries to steal our, our joy in our lives. The Bible says a marrieth heart doeth good like a medicine, right? The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. But what happens when we put our stuff, our stock in circumstances and possessions? It messes all that up. And today I'd love to, like to look at a passage and it's one that you're gonna wanna turn to today. It's 1 Corinthians chapter one. We're gonna start in verse three. We're gonna read about six or seven verses. But you're gonna wanna put your finger there because I'm gonna keep going back to it today. And you're gonna wanna take some notes. If you're not a note taker, today's probably a day you should start. You probably need to underline a thing. If you have an analog Bible, you need, probably need to underline a few things today. If you don't have a notepad, just write it on your arm like a doctor's. They say it's okay to do that, right? So here's the first, let's read the passage. Let's read this together. Grace to you, verse three, grace to you. It's first Corinthians chapter one, verse three, grace to you and peace from God, our father and our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, I give, I give thanks to my God always uh, for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. And there's verse five is really kind of, we're going to from five to verse nine. We're going to really kind of pay attention to it says that in every way, in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking, this is really important, I don't align this, for you are not lacking any gift, you're not lacking any, as you wait for the re revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse eight, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ? And verse nine says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I wanna, first, there's one part that says enriched. If you look at some versions, depending on what you're looking at, it says rich. And what it really means is, remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the press down, shaking together, running over, blessings of God. That's exactly what it's talking about right there. 
that there's a richness or an enrichment that you have that supersedes any of your thoughts, anything that you've ever thought about blessings, God is pouring out more. So I've enriched you with everything that you could possibly have. This is what bothers me most when believers walk around with a poverty mindset. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about this, you know, blab and grab it stuff. Like I'm driving around in a daggum Subaru and I'm, I keep calling it the BMW. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about there's promises that God has given me. There's promises that I should be claiming that when I claim those promises, I am in live, living the rich life. I am enriched. I am blessed beyond measure. So that's what he's talking about right there. And he's talking specifically about three gifts that we're gonna identify today, three things that this Christmas that I believe we need to receive and we need to understand that nobody can take them away. And the first thing is this, you have been given the gift of ability. Now I'm not talking about if you're a doctor, you've been given sharp hands. I think those are all things that, or you're a coach, you're a great motivator, or you're a community. I'm not talking about that. I believe there's lots of gifts in the Bible. There's lots of gifts. A lot of people think I grew up in a Pentecostal charismatic um, movement time. If you don't know much about it, we believe that there was just the power gifts. There was speaking in tongues and there was an interpretation of tongues and there was healing and there was words of knowledge and there was words of prophecy. They're all in the Bible. I believe in every one of them. I've watched them operate in this church. But sometimes we have a mis kind of a misunderstanding that that's all there is. And there's people in this room probably going, I've said literally... I know I don't have that gift. And I'm gonna tell you, you're dead wrong. I believe the way the Bible, so here, here's two misnomers, misunderstandings. Here's the first one. That the gifts that God has for his children are only the flamboyant gifts. They're only the ones we see on TV. They're, the only, they're, they're only the ones like, I'm, I'm a great singer or, or I speak with tongues of angels. That's what 1 Corinthians says. I speak with tongues of angels or I, I, can, I can interpret the world, all the world's wisdom, all that. We have kind of, in the church, gone, listen, we have those kind of gifts, and I don't have any of those, so I must not have any gifts. And that's dead wrong. And here's the other kind of misunderstanding in the church that I, I say it, I said it last week, right? Everybody in this room has gifts that God's given them. And if you, it's your choice whether you open that gift and use it or not. But here's what I'm starting to understand, and, and just follow with me on it, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna back it up with Scripture in a second. I believe everybody in this room Everybody that's watching online, everybody that's in the atrium, everybody that's in Sherwood, I believe every one of us have way more gifts than one or two gifts. I believe God gives gifts. All the gifts he gives out and disperses to every one of us. And it's situational. It's when moments in our lives come up that we have to use that gift. I have literally heard people say, Pastor Bobby, I'm sorry, I just don't have that gift. I don't have that gift of forgiveness. I'm so sorry I don't have that gift of forgiveness. No, no. You have that gift and you have the gift of hospitality and you have the gift of kindness, you have the gift of leadership. You have, it just depends on the situation that you're in. It depends on how you use those gifts. Watch, verse seven. I told you I was gonna back it up with scripture. So that you are not lacking any gift. You know what it says? So that you're not lacking any gift. L let me say that again so everybody understands that so that you're not lacking any gift. So that pool of gifts, that pile of gifts that scripture talks about, whether it's from leadership to, to, to discernment, whatever that looks like, you have the ability. That doesn't mean you use it all the time. It doesn't mean you walk around operating it all the time. 
But here's what I've learned, and I watched this yesterday. There is people that I have watched that, that have said this, I'm not called to serve. But when the opportunity arises to serve, they rise up because of the gift that's in them. We have a lady in our church. We do a thing called on-ramp. And I was just reminded of this Tuesday night. I'm not gonna say her name, but she said in uh, on-ramp, and if you haven't partnered with Journey, that's, what, that's the partnering thing. We, we ask you to come. You get to hang out with myself and Alan for a little while. But she said, I don't have any gifts. I said, really? Well, you don't have any gifts? She goes, I don't have any gifts. I said, well, what do you do well? She goes, I cook. And I said, perfect, because I like to eat. You know what she started in our church? Because of, a, because of a gift that she had that she didn't even recognize she had, she started a ministry that every Sunday morning, we have a team of people that feed the creative team because they get here at six o'clock-ish and they're here till two o'clock. Today, we had waffle house, like homemade, like hash browns, covered, smothered, oogie and sploogied. And I mean, it was so much stuff on this. It was, it was amazing. It's because, of, it's because of her. She started, she didn't have any gifts. So, so you may say, but oh, I don't have the gift of serving. Yes, you do. You have to operate in that gift. You have to recognize that gift. And you have to put yourself in positions where God can use you in that gift. How about this? Have you ever had the moment where you're sitting there and you go, you know something? I need discernment right now. I don't think I have the gift of discernment. But boy, something doesn't seem right right now. Something's not right about what that person said. Or that person said something that kind of like, I don't think that was the truth. That's a gift that God's given and he's put inside of you. I am not a teacher. Okay, I am not a teacher. You know, want to know why? I had no patience to be a teacher. Somebody, yes. Who's teachers in this room? Any teachers? You guys are crazy. <laughs> I think my job's bad. You get criticized every day, whether you do it one way. I, I don't care. You do it. You do it wrong all the time. But here's the deal with me. I feel I don't have the gift of teaching. You know why? Because if you don't learn on the first time, it's your fault. You have the gift of stupidity. And, and what I've, I've said this for years, you can't fix stupid, right? You can fix broken, but you can't fix stupid. Some of you are going, he's right. <laughs> um, I think God gives us gifts. And, and here, here, here's kind of a big truth. While it's true that we don't have all of the gifts, like we can't operate in the maximum potential of all of the gifts, I believe God's put all of those in us for us to use when we need strength did you ever notice that? When you need strength, you have extra strength? Did you ever notice when you need wisdom, God gives you extra wisdom? Did you ever realize discernment? These are all gifts that God's given us that we have to learn to operate in them. And nobody can steal them away. There's nobody that can take those things away from you. The Bible says the gifts are without repentance, as a matter of fact. It means that he, he doesn't even take them away. Even when we walk away and we don't serve, serve him, he doesn't take them away from us. When you're committed to doing God's will, you don't have to wonder if you can make it, you can do it. He's given you the ability. I want you to write this down, this is really cool. It's not a matter of God only giving you opportunities to match your gifts. It's a matter of God giving you gifts to match your opportunities. So when you get put in a situation, his strength becomes perfect, the Bible says. So when you get put in a situation, that gift rises. When you get put in this situation, that gift rises. That would get this, the gift rises. It's just a matter of us using it, a matter of, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be as honest as I can be. I don't feel like it's just individuals. I feel like he does the same thing with churches. I feel like he's done it at this church. Over the years, we have pivoted and pivoted and pivoted and pivoted. And I love, I love where we're at right now as a church. I love how we take care of people. I love how we, 
how we, like yesterday, if you guys didn't get a chance, like go online and look at some of the pictures. I've never seen anything like yesterday. Like they, they, built a, they, they built a store here for people so they can walk and shop in dignity. All the, and you should have seen moms and dads picking out their presents for their kids, knowing that they were gonna wrap them and knowing that their kids were gonna open them and knowing that they knew what, like, how many times have we done angel tree and you wrap something up and mom or dad doesn't even know what's, what's underneath there? What a cool opportunity that mom can go. I picked that out for you. And you know what the greatest thing yesterday was? Because I, got, I believe God's given the gifts to this church. I think he's given them the gifts to all the churches. Not only we give away gifts, we prayed for people yesterday. I had a young lady walk up to me and she said, my son just got out of the hospital. He's um, bipolar. And would you just pray for him? And I was like, yes. I don't feel like I have the gift of prayer or I don't think I have the gift of healing, but you know I have the gift of? Caring for people. So you may not have all the gifts or at least not think you do, but all of them are evident. All of them are there. We just have to operate. We have to use them. We have to, we have to allow them become something in us. Here's the second thing. You have been given the gift of strength. Okay, I'm not talking about like superhero strength. Like you fly with tights on. Now, if you do that, do it on your own time. But let me explain it this way. I need a volunteer. I need, would you help me? Just come up here for a second. What's your name? Carson, Carson. give it up for Carson. We're not, gonna, we're not gonna embarrass Carson too bad today. How many people have ever played the game where you try to make somebody flinch? You know that game? There's three ways to do it, right? One is like you go, oh, he, he, do you see his eyes? His eyes. Or did you ever play this one right here? You any good at this one? Why'd you move your hands? See? So, and you, you ever played this one right here? All of you after church get punched because you know exactly what I'm talking about. I hate it when people put it on Facebook. They put, hey, look at this picture. I'm like, I got punked. Did you ever play that game where you do that? You didn't do it. You're good, right? So, but he just did it to you and you look, I'm just kidding. You just kidding. Give it up for Carson. So here's, so, so how many, how many people just, just like, we'll have a support group tomorrow night starting. We'll start one. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Um, how many people were ever afraid of getting hurt in that? Nobody, right? A couple people. It was never the fear of getting hurt. It was the fear of getting hit. Because honestly, most of the people that did it to me weren't big enough to hurt me. You know, when they would do that little, right? That hurt. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about? And, 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 but you know what happens? If it happens to you enough, you start, you start flinching, don't you? We, we, we watch it in football. If, you ever, if you're a football fan, I watched it yesterday. One of the quarterbacks, I can't remember what team it was. I mean, he got railroaded. He got chest. His, like he was looking out his ear hole this way. His, his, his grill was way over here. And the rest of the game, he was, you could tell like, I, I don't want to get, like he was running away. He'd throw the ball away before he got hit. Do you know a lot of us, we walk through life flinching because of an experience we had way back when? Maybe it was a hurt. 
Maybe it was an addiction. Maybe it was a problem we had. Maybe it was something that happened in a relationship. So we're waiting. We're walking. We're walking through our lives, and we're waiting for something to jump out and get us, so, so we flinch. And that's when I talk about strength. God has given us the strength not to flinch at life. Because I'm going to tell you, there's going to be, life is going to throw you punches at times. Life is not going to be easy all the time. As a matter of fact, life is not going to be easy most of the time, is it? There's going to be cancers, there's going to be breakups, there's going to be, there's going to be divorce, there's going to be sickness, there's going to be, there's going to be you know, frustrations, there's going to be kids acting up. Somebody say amen to that. And what can happen is we can walk around life flinching all the time. And you know what starts to happen? We start to even in our minds go, okay, what if this happens? We start to play it out. What if this happens? If this happens, can I, am I gonna, what am I going to do if that happens? How am I going to handle if that happens? What's going to happen if this person does this? And, and all of a sudden we have this, we've already built this whole thing up in our mind. And guess what generally happens? None of it. We just flinch. We're just flinching from it. So, God, come on. How many people have ever said this? What if I have a problem I can't handle? What, 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 if, what, if, that, what if that addiction comes back? What, what, if, what if I'm faced with that problem? What if that man comes back into my life? What if that woman comes back into my life? What if I didn't break it off? Is there still some thought? What, what am I gonna do? And we walk around life flinching. And God says, I don't want any of that. And God's given us enough. In verse eight, listen to this. Who will sustain you to the end? You know what that means? You don't have to flinch anymore. That past is the past. Second Corinthians, I'm a brand new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. I, I've, listen, I love what we do. We have CR at our church. I love what we do. Lots of people in this room have walked through AA. Man, I am so proud that God has used those. those, those. But, but here's the truth that I, we, we got to get. I can either tell myself I'm still something or I can tell myself something I'm not what I used to be. And I'm thankful that I'm not what I used to be. And I'm thankful that I'm not what I am right now because I'm thankful for what God's gonna bring me and, and build in me years from like, I am not yet where God wants me. And so many times what happens is we say, you know something, I'm always gonna be this. I'm always, you know something, I don't buy in that you're always gonna. That may be something that's in your current that may be something that's in your past. That may be something that you have to battle every once in a while, but you don't have to be that anymore. Amen. See, most of us in this room are more aware of our ability to fail than we are of the ability that God has to take us out of a situation. I'm just, I'm just a failure. That's what I'm gonna always be. I'm, I'm always gonna be a failure. You know that problem back in my, that was my fault. I'm always gonna be that. No, you're not. You don't have to be that because God has given you the ability to sustain you to the end. Don't spend your life flinching. Don't spend your life thinking about this is what could happen. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or imagine, that's what God wants to do in us. Not take us back to our past, Put your faith in a strength in the one that promises you a gift that will not be taken away. Strength. I love Ephesians 3.20. It's become one of my life verses. And it says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power of work within us. Jude chapter one is Jude's doxology. 
It's, it's, we used to say, I, I was raised in the Catholic church, we would say it at the end of uh, Catholic mass, every time, almost every time. It says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before his presence of his glory with great joy. See, it, I'm convinced it's not a matter of God only giving you situations in your life that match your limited strength. It's a matter of God giving you strength in your life to match your situations. He gives you enough strength to get through what you need to get through when you need to get through it. Can, can I throw you out? A real big truth. In Romans, Paul talks about this. And, maybe, and maybe, maybe we should spend a whole week just talking about this. He said, the power that raised a dead man back to life is the power that's in you. Now he's talking about Jesus. And what he's saying is, the power that lifted Jesus out of the grave, when we ask Jesus Christ to be our Savior, take number one in our lives, Revelation said the spirit of God lives inside and dwells inside of us now. Revelation chapter 3.20. What Paul's saying is that power that resurrected Jesus is the same power in you. And let me let you in on a secret. God's not afraid of dead things. You may think you're dead in whatever's going on in your life. I was reminded of the story of Lazarus this morning. Lazarus is dead. He's been dead for three days. The Bible says that the body stinks. It's already started decaying. Martha and Mary are frustrated because where were you, Jesus? Why weren't you here? You let my brother die. Jesus barely addressed them. He walks to the tomb. You know why? Because he's not afraid of dead things. You know why? Because he saw something in Lazarus that nobody else saw. And he sees things in your life. He's not afraid to go to your tombs. He's not afraid to go where you think you're dead and call it back to life. And he says, Lazarus, rise and be healed in the name of Jesus. And he says the same thing to us because he's given us strength, power to overcome this life. And the third thing, the most important gift that we get that we've got to recognize this time of year, and I think we should recognize it every time of year, every day of our lives, is that you have been given the gift of access. Access, access to God. A couple years ago, I was asked to be on a team, a big project, it was a national project, and it was honored to be a part of the team. And it was literally how we were gonna take um, the gospel and present it from, from this location to more locations to across the world. And it was hundreds of churches that were involved in this. And I got asked to be on the board, and so it was a, a pretty prestigious thing, but I wasn't in charge of the, of, of the team. So I was one of, I think there was eight of us on the team from all across the United States. And they said they found out things about Journey, about our beautiful feet, and they loved what we were doing here, so we want you to bring some expertise. But here's the, here's the guy that's gonna run point on this thing. And so the problem was our first meeting, the guy that was supposed to be running point couldn't be part of the meeting. And so there was the rest of us were kind of like, okay, we don't know what we're supposed to be doing, Right? And so the next meeting, he assured us he was gonna be there, but at the last minute, and listen, he was a busy guy. He pastors, he pastors a church of like 20,000 people. Like, I don't understand how they, like, so he, he was being pulled all over the place. And so we have a conversation, he doesn't, he doesn't come to that, that meeting. And so I, I because I'm, I feel like I'm a leader. Now, at times, and if you're a leader, you need to learn this, it's called mutual submission. It's where you actually submit to somebody else that's a leader, even though you may be the senior leader, we have it happen all the time around here. Like there's times where I am just part of the team and there's times that I'm, but this is one of those, like it was frustrating to me. And I got tired of not having any activity. So guess what? I stepped up and you know what happened? It was a failure. You know why? Because I didn't have the pertinent information. That other person had all the information. 
And so we were going in all kinds of different directions that the, the organization never wanted us to go. It was my fault. I had to come clean on it. I had to look, this is, that, was my, that was my bad. But you know what I felt like? I felt like I had a leader that abandoned me. I, I felt like I had a leader. I, I felt like I had a leader that was absent, that really didn't care what was going on in the organization and didn't give a rat's rear end if we ever made any type of movement for Christ. Did you ever hear the song? And I, I, I don't remember. I, I'm not good on, I have chronic lyricosis. Anybody else have that? Like I never remember songs. But anybody ever hear the song? Um, I think it's Jim Croce, but it may have been Cat Stevens. You're, you're, um, Cats, Cats in the Cradle? Who was it? Who sang Cats in the Cradle? Cat Stevens. So I was, I was close. I had one out of 50-50, right? So, so, you know, Cats in the Cradle. You want me to sing it for you guys? You're the only person that has said that all day. So I'm going to sing it just for you. No. A cat's in the cradle and silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man on the moon. Dad, when you come home, dad, but don't know when, we'll get together. And you know the story. If you don't know the story, it reverses and the dad, uh, the son becomes the dad and he has his own child and the same exact thing he did, his dad did to him, he does to his son. And you know, you know I'm learning? A lot of people have that mentality of God. That they feel like, He's out there somewhere. There's, there is a God, but he's really absent. He's, he's really, he's, he's not, he's not involved in every, every day of my life. And he, he's really not concerned about the ins and outs of it. And if you don't hear anything else, please just hear this. Okay. The whole reason for Christmas, the whole reason for sending Jesus was to break that mentality from humanity. He sent Jesus Christ, his son, to come to this earth because he wanted relationship with us. What was broken at creation was restored in an empty cave. Don't ever forget that. The God that you serve or the God that you're chasing or the God that you're trying to figure out is a God that wants to partner with you. The one that hung the moon and everything is in his existence, everything he said he brought to life that God wants to have a relationship with you. And it's not just a casual once a year at Christmas time, it's every day of our lives he wants to have a relationship with us. We have been given an open door and open access to the heavenly father. Think about this for a second. For thousands of years, right? About 4,000 years, one time a year, a priest would get to go into the holy place and he was there on behalf of all of humanity. And God's going, I don't want that. I, I want to have a relationship. I don't want to talk through one person. I want to talk to everybody individually. Exodus chapter 35, 36, 37, and 38 talks about the tabernacle. Moses. That was the meeting place with God. And one time a year, blessings were poured out. One time a year, a priest got to go in and he would come out and share whatever revelation God gave him. But 2,000 years ago, in a little manger, in a nasty state, the Messiah, God's own son was born so we can have conversation with him, so we can know him personally. That, that's what's so power, powerful about this passage right here. And I was thinking about the story of the prodigal son. I mean, you may not know the prodigal son. You don't have to know the whole story. I'll give you the, kind of the bits and pieces of it. A young boy that thought he knew everything Kind of like teenage boys now, right? 
And he goes to his dad who is rich and says, I want my inheritance. So he leaves home and he goes to a foreign town. He ends up sleeping with pigs and feeding pigs. And he realizes, and I love the line because this is me. It says, when he came to his senses. And there comes a point in time in everybody's life we have to come to our senses. And we have to go, we can't do it on our own. I can't live outside of the father's covering. So he comes to his senses and he starts running back to the father. Now this is the greatest part of the story, by the way, is the son didn't go after the father. The Bible says that the father was on the porch and while he saw his son afar off, he went and met him. And in his pocket, because he knew what was gonna happen, he had a ring, he had a jacket that he had over his arm and he had a party getting ready to be planned. That's the picture of what Jesus came to do. And Jesus came so we can have a relationship with him. Isn't that cool? That's a gift that nobody can take away. Jesus said it like this. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And no one comes to the Father except for through me. Drop down to verse nine, it says, God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We are called into fellowship. That's what Jesus came to do. So we look at the story of the Grinch and we see this mean old person or the mean old thing that wanted to steal Christmas. Then he realized, right? He realized in that moment that even stealing the gifts didn't steal Christmas from anybody. This is what the narrator says. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or another, it's just, just the same. And the Grinch with Grinch feet, ice cold and snow stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? And here's the famous line from the movie. This is what the Grinch says. Came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. Maybe Christmas doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. When we recognize who Jesus is, it's the greatest thing ever. And this Christmas, regardless of what's happening in Washington, D.C., or Atlanta, Georgia, or downtown Augusta, or right here in Evans, regardless of what's going on on CNN, or Facebook, or Instagram, none of that changes the fact that we have the opportunity to recognize and embrace the greatest gift ever, Jesus Christ. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to grab your communion elements. I want you to just think for a second. I want you to I want you to open the pack up to start out with and pull the wafer out. Such a spiritual moment. Listening to all the wrappers come off. I want you to hold the wafer in one of your hands and I want you to pull the wrapper back so you can drink the cup when we get to that point. When you get to that point, I just want you to shut your eyes for a second. And one of the coolest moments when Jesus is with his disciples right before the crucifixion 
and he breaks bread and he pours wine. But there's a phrase in there that I've always, I've kind of always clung to. It's something I always lean into. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. And as we were going through the message today, I was being reminded of those gifts. The gifts, the abilities that God's given me. The strength to overcome the things in my life. And then the access that I have straight to the Father. So I want you to shut your eyes for a second. Everybody in this room, and I'm gonna, I'm just gonna pray a prayer over us. I'm just gonna speak words over us. Jesus, today we recognize that you came into the world on Christmas Day so that you would die for our sins. You knew that in advance, that you were gonna die on Good Friday, that you were gonna be raised to life on Easter Sunday. God, you did all that so there would be a personal relationship, no line waiting, no busy signals, no transfers to voicemail. You gave us 24 hours a day access to you. And God, maybe there's people in this room or down at Sherwood or maybe in one of our online experiences or out in our atrium, maybe they're going right now, I, I didn't know that and I wanna have that today. See, the gift of Christmas reminds us that when God sent his son into the world on Christmas day, he held nothing back. He, he, give, he gave us everything we need to have a ridiculously good life. All that we need, God has given us. When Jesus came into the world, he brought with him a gift of no limit living. He's taken all the limits off us. He's taken the sin out of our life. He's taken the fallen nature that's with us since the time of Adam and Eve. And he's given us in their place, those sins place, he's given us unlimited resources of the Holy Spirit to deal with our daily life and ultimate, ultimate success in everything we do. So today, God, I lift up this wafer and I am reminded of all the good things that you've done for me. I'm reminded of the healing that represents according to Isaiah. And I pray today that many in this room, either re-giving or giving there or committing again or just making a promise that they were gonna accept the great gift that you've given. We take this wafer in Jesus' name. I lift up this cup right now. It reminds us of the bloodshed that Jesus, what he lost on Calvary's Hill. It reminds me of all the sins that you've washed away and the strength that you've given me to overcome those sins. That I am not what I used to be. And so I take this cup with that truth in my mind that I am becoming more than a conqueror. Bless this cup in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for this opportunity today that we've had. That we've looked at a Christmas classic, we've brought some stability to our lives, but most of all, we looked at the greatest gift that's been given, that's Jesus and what he brought with him. So we're thankful for that. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, Amen. 
Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.